This is the Troll Patrol. Live with Justin Freakin. You guys are talking about death in the chat, and I'm like frantically looking at the news like, who died? What, what are they talking like? A, I was looking for a celebrity or something. Like, meanwhile, I'm sitting over here in like the top story. Is <laughs> the presidential candidate from Ecuador who got unalived last night. Hawaii also died, yes. God, the death toll has risen to like 36 now. It was at 6 last night when we were... Warlord, I think you might have went to bed by that time. We watched the video. We watched, like, drone footage. We watched a woman drive through uh, uh, the town with fire on each side of her. And then just some dude walking through the middle of the, the road. It was wild. DJ Dub. Clinically. 50. Jesus. Well, at least this sounds horrible. <laughs> be saying, I'm getting ready to say some racist shit when I say this. Well, at least uh, it, Africa's pretty used to war. Africa's pretty used to war. We're going to talk all about that here in just a little bit. Tones, Tones, good evening. Why he's getting hot, hot, hot. Now, I was pretty sure when we were watching it last night that it was wildfires, but apparently there's there's also been a hurricane off the coast of the islands that the winds from the hurricanes have exacerbated the wildfires. That is the reason for Hawaii being decimated. Oh, is it a typhoon? I'm sorry. So a water twister instead. I could have sworn I read Hurricane, but I, I trust Clinically. Clinically has not led me wrong before. Neither is Warlord. Warlord, spot on every time. I'm giving, I'm giving you guys your flowers tonight. <laughs> Hurricane Dora? Well, now you guys find it out. And then whoever wins is who I'll believe. Like, and Warlord's never led me wrong either. And then Warlord chimes in and says something the opposite of clinically. And now, like, Oh, I thought I thought a typhoon was like a water twister or something. Like a tornado over the ocean. So it's just it's just different like uh different uh, nomenclature. That's a water spout. Okay. Um Hurricane Dora was the first tropical cyclone. I don't know 
fucking, I'm stupid. I don't know what any of this shit means. Cyclone, hurricane, water spout, typhoon. I don't fucking know. But this is a this is a learning show. Kitty bass. Oh, Smokey getting indecent, eh? I know Typhoon the wrestler. A typhoon is a tropical cyclone. When you sent me the Hurricane Dora. Hurricane Dora was the first tropical cyclone. A typhoon is a tropical cyclone. You're both you're both right. You're both right. Oh, I didn't have the screen up, did I? A typhoon is a tropical cyclone. Hurricane Dora was the first tropical cyclone. The words mean the same thing. Multiple reports have come out over the last couple of days about the warming oceans gonna put a hurting on hurricane season. Climate change be saying, here I am. Rock you like a hurricane. Why you call me a son of a bitch for? I mean, I may be estranged from my mother, but I'm trying to, I'm trying to learn to be accepting of her because I think I've had the realization in the last few months that she's probably autistic and that that's one of the reasons why she, she really hasn't gotten me as a artistic person and very creative. Uh, not, not that autistic people aren't creative but like I I do a lot of her favorite comedies are slapstick and I do a lot of cerebral double entendre shit a lot of play on words the date what do you what what date Hurricane is a tropical drink. I uh, I don't know. I don't know what a I don't I don't know about no drinks. The Hurricane Dora article is from 1964. You sent it. <laughs> oh, so so Warlord did did lead me wrong. Oh shit, the death toll in Hawaii up to fifty-three. God damn. Thank you, Dub. Libertad. <laughs> Man, let me tell you, uh Libertad has this has this uh, uh I guess you call it like a fun little game. Like I wake up in the morning, I'll check all the the social medias, and usually Libertad will have 
put a fun little caption under uh, last night's stream. And this morning, he said something about Quentin Tarantino. And I couldn't remember for the life of me making reference to Quentin Tarantino during the stream at all. And I'm like racking my brain like, I have no clue. But I had I had told a story about how that at one time somebody had put that I was an extra in Pulp Fiction on my IMDB page. <laughs> that was the reverence and I'd my stoner dumbass had completely forgotten about it. Anyway, come you come here for the news, not to hear me ramble. I think. Here's a name you haven't heard in a while. Alberto Gonzalez. Alberto Gonzalez. He was the attorney general under George W. Bush. He is going to counter the claims that the DOJ is being biased towards conservatives. And I'm I'm going to eat this up. I can't believe I'm, I'm going to play this for you here tonight. I'm excited. Turns out that Elon Musk wanted to tip Donald Trump off about the secret warrant issued to Twitter. The special counsel counsel is apparently in possession of Donald Trump's entire Twitter account. Musk wanted to tell Trump. Mike Pence was in Iowa, and I have video, and you're going to enjoy it. That's all I have to say, right? Just like he he gets what he deserves. <laughs> You're gonna enjoy it. Bee cakes. Here's your meme of the day. Rapper Pitbull posing with a homeless man. Miami 2023. Colorized. I'm not high enough for this shit. Somebody on YouTube asked if I was on something. This guy is giving commentary and has zero attention span. Fail. Well, um, we were watching Matt Walsh. If you guys remember, it was the clip where, like, I thought it was hilarious that at the end of it, I just kind of stopped paying attention. And I was like, I don't give a shit about Matt Walsh and turned it off. I thought that was fucking hilarious. So the clip is like the me setting up the clip and making jokes about Matt Walsh. And then the end of it when I'm just like, fuck, what was he saying? <laughs> and so this comment said, right, he sounds like he's on something. Half the stuff he's mumbling about, I couldn't fathom a guess what he said. So, you know, I couldn't let that go by. I am high as fuck there because how else could you listen to Matt Walsh? And, I mean, clearly I know what I'm talking about because Matt Walsh said so. I'm a formidable voice in the culture. 
Justin Freakin. He's a formidable voice in the culture. So I wondered if maybe I did mumble because I was high as fuck. But I turned on the closed captioning and the robot knew exactly what I was saying. Like, didn't miss a word. So, you know, perhaps it's a you thing, ma'am. I'm sorry. Posty! We're going to hear from Joe Rogan and Posty tonight. Holy, hold, hold on to your pants. Sparkles, like even you, even you, you're going to agree with what Joe Rogan has to say tonight. It's a very rare W for Joe Rogan here on the Troll Patrol. So that's that's all we'll have to say about that. Bill Maher complaining about the Barbie movie. I got a Bill Maher meme somewhere. Hold on. I don't think it was a meme. I think it was just a tweet. I think I shared it. I don't. I don't. I don't have it saved to the computer. I think I just shared it. But it was like, uh, I can't believe I ever liked Bill Maher. Everyone. I'm like, yep, yep, yep. That's, that's about right. Some right wing dipshit's going to give his opinion on Megan Rapinoe. I, they're really up in, I like, I have no clue. I don't know what, like. I have no idea what sets these people off, but like it's all at once they'll start talking about uh, just one person. They'll gang up on them. Uh, Megan Rapinoe for a few days. They're just like all tearing into her. I don't even know why. I think I think the soccer team lost, and they're like ha ha or some shit. So. Okay, cool. As I understand it, like, she's one of the greatest of all time, right? I don't know anything about soccer. But, like, she's one of the greatest, like, women's players of all time. Maybe one of, like, the best players of all time, like, period, in soccer. I, once again, I don't know. It's a shame that, you know, if she is that talented... She is denigrated just because they don't like her politics. But, you know, that's one of the things about being uh, a woman and a lefty. It's a double whammy. We're going to hear from the Fox Gutfeld crew. I think it's uh, Tyrus who retained his NWA championship along with Greg Gutfeld and some other chuckle fox. Over on the Fox News, gonna talk about the Hollywood strike. A 19-year-old died in detention, and like that went that went fucking dark, didn't it? I'm like, aha, Gutville talking about the Hollywood strike. A 19-year-old died in detention in Atlanta. Family is wanting answers as well. They should. Protests are erupting in New York City over the migrant housing crisis going on. New report by ProPublica. Man, they do they do the Lord's work. Thank you, ProPublica, for all that you do. If you if you have a couple of bucks to spare, uh, they are a nonprofit. They're a fantastic charity. You can write them off on your taxes if you want to make a big enough donation. 
But if you got a couple of bucks to spare, go throw it at ProPublica. Once again, uncovering the corruption of Clarence Thomas. Corruption Thomas should be removed from the bench. New calls for him to resign. He apparently also snubbed the Senate as they asked him to come and testify before them. It could be a showdown between the different branches of the government. Has the Supreme Court gotten a little too big for its britches? Yesterday, a man in Utah was killed by the FBI. He was making threats against uh, Alvin Bragg, the DA in Manhattan, as well as Joe Biden. We're going to get the lowdown on who this dude was. He, he looks like exactly the kind of dude I'd expect to, uh, to be this like hardcore MAGA willing to die for the cause. True blue motherfucker. We're going to hear from his neighbors. Going to tell us all about him. All that and more tonight on the Troll Patrol. Live. Taxes in this economy. Another L in the ATL. Putting the A in a cab. Megan who? <laughs> I I don't know jack shit. Oh, okay. I thought you liked shit, Libertad. I thought you had a scat fetish. You, you didn't like that giant dookie we had on the screen? <laughs> Let me get a little more high. Get to the news. Ooh, that was a rough one. Good thing we're watching a video because I'm not going to be able to talk for a little bit. We're going to Ecuador and I have, I have the video if they don't show it in the, you don't actually see him get shot, but you can see the scene. If they don't show it in the news report, I have the video. We'll watch it afterwards. Glad you're streaming with us. Well, news out of Ecuador now is presidential candidate Fernando Villavicencio is assassinated while leaving a political rally in the capital of Quito. We want to warn you, the video may be disturbing. The video footage now being here we received go. by investigators. It actually captures the moment that Villavicencio here got into the car just before the gunshots were fired. The assassination comes just 10 days. Oh, they didn't show the it. Presidential election. Our Mexico City. You don't really see anything because, like, the camera kind of goes down. People are scattering, so you just hear the gun. Like, we'll watch it after the after the news report. Correspondent Matt Rivers has been covering the story for us. Joins us now with more. So, Matt, what are you hearing from police? Who do we think is responsible? 
Yeah, Kara, what authorities are saying is that they do believe there is some sort of organized crime connection at this point. Uh, we know that this candidate, uh, Fernando Villavicencio, has received... So, unfortunately for us, he was an anti-corruption candidate. I do believe he was leftist in his beliefs. And once again, they're saying organized crime. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and queue up the video here. Uh, from various organized crime groups over the years. He's been a public figure for a long time. He was an anti-corruption uh, reform candidate who was not afraid to speak his mind, including about organized crime. And he had said recently that he was the, the target of multiple threats from at least one organized uh, crime group that has connections here to the Sinaloa cartel uh, in Mexico. Specifically, though, authorities are not saying yet who is re exactly responsible within the organized crime world there. We have seen some unverified videos floating around social media uh, in terms of uh, people claiming responsibility, but we can't verify any of those claims, so we're not going to give them too much uh, credence. At there have been arrests. Apparently one, um, one person is dead. Perhaps this news story took place before. I, I think it's in the, in the text of the story, but one person is dead. Uh, that was apparently one of the suspects and a couple of people have been arrested that there is an organized crime connection So let's talk about current president Guillermo Lasso. How is he responding? Is the presidential election even going to take place? Yeah, it's a very valid question, and according to Lasso, constitutionally, they have to go forward with this election. There is no constitutional provision to deal with this kind of thing, and so the federal government is, says that they have no choice uh, but to go forward with elections on August 20th. What we're hearing from uh, President Lasso is that this crime will not go unpunished. He was, in fact, one of the first people to come out and say there was an organized crime connection to all this, but as of now, it does appear that the multiple candidates that are on the ballot uh, in this presidential presidential election will be voted on, on on August 20th. You know, talking about the organized crime being behind the assassination here of Via Vicencio, you know, he was campaigning against this corruption in Ecuador. Yes, he was coming out of a campaign event when this happened. So let me hit the... Hit the content warning, even though you don't really see anything. As I said... Camera kind of goes down. People scatter. That is the scene after a campaign event. That's wild. The we have a different angle of it here as well. Hold on. Um, there was an assassination attempt on the was it the vice president of Argentina a few months back, and it also was as she was coming out of a campaign event and getting into a car like this. This is wild. They got the balls to do it like that. <laughs> the leftist candidate for president in Ecuador. Oh, this might be a vigil. 
Although we had a different angle. The state of emergency has been declared. Door with the cartels, the gangs, the drug trafficking. Uh, it's completely out of control, as you know. So let's just talk about how all of this is impacting the immigration issues that we're seeing at our southern border and, and how things move forward here. Yeah, for those who might not be super familiar with South America and the north, the northwestern part of South America, Ecuador has long been seen as a more tranquil place, a more peaceful place, sandwiched between Peru, Colombia, Venezuela is nearby. And those countries really uh, took the attention as far as being more violent, being uh, more involved in the drug world. Ecuador was kind of its own thing for a while there. That really started to change in the last couple of years where we have seen a huge amount of drug cartel influence moving into the cities there. Homicide rates have spiked. Cartels, including those from Mexico, have taken advantage of Ecuador's numerous port cities in a place like Guayaquil. Kiel, for example, an Ecuadorian city that has seen huge spikes in violence. To that end, migration from Ecuador, which historically has been very low, at least people arriving to the U.S. border, has spiked dramatically. Just last month at the Darien Gap, which is that land crossing between South America up to Central America, Colombia to Panama, the third most populous group of citizenry uh, recorded by Panamanian authorities. First was Venezuela, then was Haitians, followed by Ecuadorians. That's something we've never seen before. We'll stay on the story. Matt Rivers, thank you. Hi, everyone. Shut up, George Stephanopoulos. Oh, God damn it. Hold on, let me get the story. Because they have made arrests. Go to the AP 30 minutes ago. The six men arrested as suspects in the assassination of an anti-corruption Ecuadorian presidential candidate are Colombian nationals, a police report said on Thursday as authorities investigated the motive for a crime that shocked a nation already reeling from a surge in drug-related violence. The six men were captured hiding in a house in Quito, Ecuador's capital, and said the, uh, said the report, which was reviewed by the Associated Press, officers also seized four shotguns, a, uh, f- uh, is that five, I don't even know how, how you say, 556, 556 millimeter rifle, ammunition, uh, three grenades, along with a vehicle and a motorcycle. Fernando Villavicino. Villavicino. Ah, God damn it. I'm not even going to try. I'm sorry. He was 59. He was known for speaking up against the drug cartels, and he was assassinated in Quinto on 5.56 rounds. Thank you, clinically. This is like 5.56. Like... No, I'm not. No, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not high enough for this shit. Who was known for speaking up against drug cartels 
was assassinated on Wednesday, less than two weeks before a special presidential election. He was not a front runner, but his death deepened the sense of crisis around organized crime that has already claimed thousands of lives and underscored the challenge that Ecuador's next leader will face. Ecuador's interior minister, Juan Zapata, uh, had earlier confirmed the arrest of some foreigners in the case, although he didn't give their nationalities. Zapata described the killing as a political crime of a terrorist nature aimed at sabotaging the August 20th presidential election. The police report doesn't say whether the Colombians are alleged members of a criminal group. Zapata said those arrested were linked to organized crime, although he didn't give more details. Uh, Valvincio had said uh, he was threatened by affiliates of Mexico's Sinaloa cartel, one of a slew of international organized crime groups that now operate in Ecuador. He said his campaign represented a threat to such groups. The involvement of Colombian nationals brings to mind the 2021 assassination of Haitian President uh, Javier Moez, who was shot a dozen times at his private home. Among the people arrested in the case are 18 former soldiers from Colombia. Wild. That's what we do here on the Trail Patrol. We cover the wild shit going on all over the world. Head to Africa. Where apparently they are readying forces to put down the coup in Niger, I assume. I'm not even sure. West African nations activate a standby force after a summit earlier today. Let's go to Al Jazeera. Well, the West African bloc ECOWAS has directed the activation of a standby force to restore democracy in Niger following the coup. The leaders have concluded their emergency meeting in Abuja. They have condemned the detention of President Mohamed Bazoum and say the regional bloc will enforce strict travel restrictions to Niger and freeze assets of individuals in the way of a return to a civilian government. I like that. That sounds good. Of the chief of defence staff to activate the ECWA standby force with all its elements immediately. Order the deployment of the ECOWAS standby force to restore constitutional order in the Republic of Niger. Underscore its continued commitment to the restoration of constitutional order through peaceful means. Okay, let's get more on this with Ahmed Idris, who's in Abuja, Nigeria, where that ECOWAS summit has just finished. And Hamid, first of all, can you just tell us a little bit more about the standby military force? What does it exactly entail? Just how large is it? Well, they're not talking specifically in terms of numbers, but this is a force that has been agreed upon by member states. Uh, the last time it was deployed was to Guinea-Bissau to stabilise the political situation there following a coup attempt. So the numbers can range between 3,000 to 6,000 or even more, depending on the circumstances. And this comprises mainly of the military, the police, and even civil components of that uh, standby force. They are armed and also uh, they are also empowered to carry out other civic duties 
uh, in areas where they are deployed. So the deployment of this force probably could signal the start of something big, like a military intervention in Niger. OK, uh, is this actually going to work, do you think? I mean, we're looking at strict travel restrictions uh, to Niger, freeze on assets for individuals uh, in a bid to try and return the civilian government. Is any of this actually going to work? It all depends on the uh, will, will, willpower of the leaders of the economic community of West African states. Yes, Nigeria has the number and it's expected to be the largest contributor. And with uh, countries like the United States, France and others solidly behind ECOWAS, we probably are seeing the possibility of financial help from these organizations. Yeah. The countries may have uh, the Nigeria... Yeah, and this is the uh, uh, Niger coup. Uh, the numbers may have the troops, but the PP girl, good evening. They have a security force in the West African bloc nations that they are readying to apparently restore democracy to Niger and put down the military uprising. Uh, requirements or the logistics required for this will have to come from external forces as well because at the moment we're looking at countries that are struggling with their economies right now and also dealing with their own domestic problems. Okay, thank you so much for that. That's Ahmed Idris for us in Abuja, Nigeria, where the ECOWAS summit has uh, just concluded. Zain Bubens Erebi has more from Niger's capital on the coup leader's action just ahead of the ECOWAS summit. The military junta has just named a new government, directed by Lamin Zain, who is also Minister of Finance. The government is composed by 21 members, including 15 civil members and 6 military members. The nomination of the government can be seen as a direct answer to ECOWAS emergency meeting in Abuja. It shows also that the military junta doesn't care about ECOWAS declarations and will continue to ignore any international calls to reinstate the ousted president. The ousted president, who is under house arrest, says that he is living under very hard conditions without electricity, medicine or food. Coup leaders have also uh, accused French forces for fearing captured terrorists in order to destabilize Niger. Fun times we're living in. And the oceans are boiling. And the forests are burning. And the wars are raging. And we didn't start the fire. It is always burning since the world's been turning. I kind of, I kind of do blame the baby boomers, though. There weren't really fires going on. Their parents put out all the fucking fires, handing them peace and stability, and they're like, "Oh, let's go fuck up South America. Let's go meddle in the Middle East." bomb Vietnam oh my god I didn't know it I didn't know what we we're getting ready to watch I'm sorry
And every time it pops up, I'm like, I didn't know it was this. He he got a good interview though. Though I want to watch this interview. Getting ready to watch some Morning Joe. So let's bring in former. Oh God, we got Claire McCaskill. Oh, we're getting rid of her, but she was on screen for a short time. It's just a double dose of awful. U.S. Attorney General Alberto Gonzalez. He served in the George W. Bush administration and now is the dean at the Belmont University College. And we thank you very much for being on this morning. Mr. Attorney General, thank you so much for being with us. Um, I have I've noted on this show over the past several years, Republicans like yourself, Republicans that have stood up and spoken out for the rule of law, even when it doesn't break in their direction. And I often quote uh, the Wall Street Journal editorial page whenever they've spoken out against uh, Donald Trump's worst. Ex uh, I lived through the I lived through the Bush administration. This motherfucker was unsavory. Since the last indictment uh, regarding January the sixth, that establishment Republicans that had been critical of Donald Trump's actions are now starting to talk about a two-tiered justice system. And, you know, I read I read something that Ann Applebaum said last week that said if Republic, if the Republican Party continues to attack the rule of law, I don't know how our constitutional republic survives. Um, that's why we were so struck by uh, your opinion piece and are so grateful for you to be here. Can you can you talk about your concerns about the rule of law, the Republican Party, and how it intersects in this Trump indictment? Sure, Joe, thanks for having me. Um, listen, I don't view my presence here or the, or the op-ed that I wrote uh, as intended to set Republicans straight, but mainly to, to remind Republicans about what we stand for, and in particular, to stand up for the Department of Justice. Uh, people don't realize that over 99% of the people that work at the department are career employees. They often don't care who the president is, who the attorney general, what part of the attorney general is. And so they go to work day in and day out. And um, and I just wanted to remind people that I think the department is doing the very best that it can. I'm not saying that they're that they're perfect. Sometimes mistakes are made, and I and I point that out in the op-ed. But by and large, they do a good job. And and the differences that occur sometimes uh, in prosecutions are based upon facts, based upon the evidence, based upon the judge. I did. Good evening, process. Richard. And so sometimes you're going to have perhaps different outcomes in cases that look similar, but may in fact. I love that Richard pops in is like, did he content warning Joe Scarborough? Yes. Yes, I did. <laughs> Uh, and also, like, Alberto Gonzalez deserves a content warning as well, a little weasel. In fact, uh, be very different because of the facts and the evidence that a prosecutor is able to present and get in uh, in a trial. So, again, this is, a, this is about a reminder who we are as a party, uh, you know, a party for the rule of law, a party for economic and individual liberty, a, a party for national security and our military, a party that believes in the in the value, the importance of law enforcement. That's who we are as a party. Um, and and I just you're all slimy fucks. Well, and, and just to underline something that you said that they are career professionals. Most people in the Justice Department are and. 
for Republicans, uh, for Donald Trump supporters who were saying, oh, well, what about Hillary Clinton? What about Hunter Biden? It, let, let me underline again the fact that Donald Trump wanted Hillary Clinton indicted in the Department of Justice and his own attorney general said there wasn't anything to indict her on. So those arguments are, are absolutely uh, without merit. I, uh, Mr. Attorney General, I, I want to underline once again what you said and, and have you continue talking about it, because I've noticed that my former party, which used to support law enforcement uh, since Donald Trump's become president, uh, many people uh, in that party have attacked the Department of Justice relentlessly, have attacked the FBI relentlessly. Um, talk about the importance of Republicans doing what Republicans used to do, and that is defending the rule of law and defending the Justice Department that holds that on its shoulders every day. Those professionals. I mean, if we're talking about Republicans that actually believe in the rule of law, you got to go back to like fucking Eisenhower because this motherfucker wasn't in an administration that did that. This motherfucker helped set the stage for Donald Trump. That's what Alberto Gonzalez did. He was one of the ones that tried to, like, uh, he was involved in what they called the constitutional crisis when, uh, um, was it Bush had, uh, went for some kind of a surgery and Cheney was, no, 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 no. Was Alberto Gonzalez like the deputy attorney? Because like, God damn, guys, this is like 20 years ago. Uh, Alberto Gonzalez was like the deputy attorney general. And uh, who was the first attorney general under Bush? Um, Ashcroft? No, he wasn't attorney general. There was this whole thing where like somebody was incapacitated because they had surgery and they tried to get them to sign some sort of uh, fucking uh, executive order or some shit. Because they were doing all kinds of shady shit. They outed a CIA agent. God, fucking Bush administration. That feels like... Uh, like I'm doing some member berries and like talking about my childhood and shit. <laughs> wasn't my childhood, it was my early 20s. But Alberto Gonzalez shot down the idea that the Justice Department is biased against Republicans and are biased against Donald Trump for political motives. It doesn't make any fucking sense. Meanwhile, Trump and Valet pled not guilty to additional classified document charges today. The additional charges stem from accusations that Trump tried to suppress. A lot has happened since the Bush administration. The additional charges stem from accusations that Trump tried to suppress a subpoenaed security camera footage. Former United States President Donald Trump and his valet, and I've done a lot of drugs, with his valet, Walt Nada, have entered pleas of not guilty in a Florida federal court in response to additional charges made in the case about alleged mishandling of classified documents. A lawyer for Trump entered the plea on his behalf on Thursday as the former president had previously waived his right to attend the hearing. 
Yeah, I can't believe I would do drugs. Nada, nada. Meanwhile, <laughs> attended the hearing in person held in the Fort Pierce courtroom of U.S. Magistrate Judge Shanique Mills Maynard. Originally, Trump faced 37 charges and not a six for retaining classified documents without authorization and concealing them from federal authorities. But on July 27th, Special Counsel Jack Smith announced an updated indictment with new charges and a new defendant, Carlos de la Oliveira, a property manager at Trump Mar-a-Lago Estate in Palm Beach, Florida. So that's Nada right there, leaving the courthouse. Two of the new charges stem from an indictment in which Trump allegedly ordered his employees to delete security camera footage at Mar-a-Lago after a grand jury subpoenaed the tapes. In the updated indictment, prosecutors describe how Trump allegedly dispatched Nada to Palm Beach to meet with Oliveira, who then told another Mar-a-Lago employee that the boss, the big guy, is the big guy. Come on, man. What did the surveillance server wiped? The third new charges per uh, uh, the third new charge pertains to Trump alone. It relates to audio of Trump at his golf club in Bedminster, New Jersey, where he showed onlookers a classified document outlining a plan of attack against Iran that he acknowledged was highly classified. Uh, the recording also appears to capture Trump admitting he had not declassified the document before he showed it to the golf club visitors. See, as president, I could have declassified it. Now I can't, you know, but this is still a secret, so shh. There's not a direct quote. I, I fudged it a little bit. The special counsel has proposed a court date, the January 6th trial, and he wants it to start on January 2nd. First day of business of the new year, baby. I like it. I like it. Let's start 2024 off right and try the former fucking president. I can see Trump trying to make it drag on, but also I don't know how you make it drag on. It's pretty open and shut. It is so open and shut that it's in the realm of possibility that we could get a verdict on January 6th. What sweet justice that would be. However, once again, Trump's tactics are to delay, 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 delay. So whether it even starts on January 2nd is a whole nother uh, bag of worms. Apparently, government lawyers estimate that the case could last about four to six weeks. Could be up into mid-February. It's the trial of the century, right? Unfortunately, once again, 
Cameras not allowed in a federal courtroom. I don't know if perhaps they're... Somebody, the, the, the state makes a motion, or I mean, not the, not the state. The special counsel makes a motion to allow cameras. I. It would be awesome to watch this. Most importantly, a January 2nd trial date would vindicate the public's strong interest in a speedy trial. Nix, good evening. I, okay, I, I don't remember exactly, but I feel like living through it as like I was in fifth or sixth grade. I feel like the OJ trial took months. I feel like that was on for like eight or 10 months. A wrong on that one. And yes, I would sit here and watch every second of that. The former president who is the front runner for the GOP nomination in 2024 has been suggesting he wants to delay the case, perhaps until after the next election. Against the White House, Trump could instruct his attorney general to drop the case or even seek a pardon uh, for himself. Trump has pleaded not guilty to the federal charges. Prosecutors said in a new court filing that there's no need for such a lengthy delay. It was 11 months. I felt like it was a long time. They are ready to begin turning over witness interviews, grand jury transcripts, and evidence obtained through search warrants and already have organized those papers in an easy-to-read format. They made it easy for them. They've already put everything together for the defense. Both sides are doing court in Washington, D.C. on Friday. To argue over the terms of the protective order that could prevent Trump from sharing certain kinds of sensitive information on social media and elsewhere in advance of the trial. Trump's attorneys are scheduled to respond to the proposal in writing in the coming days. It's going to be left up to Judge Chutkin. who is tough but fair and apparently gives tougher sentences to January 6th defendants than what the prosecution asked for. That gives you some idea of the mindset of the judge in Trump's case. This could be a lot of fun. Now, what's going to happen? I'm going to pose this question to you, chat. He is almost certainly going to keep blabbering on social media. He's going to keep threatening people. Is there going to be a gag order? And if there is a gag order, Trump most certainly will violate it. What will the court do if he violates a gag order? Because you know he would. Trump cannot keep his mouth shut. And apparently, apparently someone who also could not keep their mouth shut is Elon Musk. Elon Musk wanted to tip off Donald Trump about the secret search warrant in the January 6th case. 
the public documents, we've learned brand new details about both Donald Trump and his lawyers' attempts to overturn American democracy and the special counsel's attempt to hold him accountable. The first document we learned about is yet another coup memo, dated exactly one month before January 6th. It is authored by Trump election lawyer Ken Cheesebro, believed to be one of the unindicted co-conspirators mentioned in the... Listen, listen. If my name was Cheesebro, the last thing I would do would be out here trying to like plan a coup, do some fascism kind of thing. Your name is Cheesebro. I would go and I would work in a deli. That way when customers come in, they could be like, let me have half a pound of Gouda. Give me a pound of white cheddar, Mr. Cheesebro. Beautiful. What? I'm I'm a cheese bro. I want to start a cl- the club of the cheese Bros. That's like the most awesome name. I would be fuck Justin freaking. I'm gonna be Justin Cheese Bro from now on. The Jack Smith indictment, and it expands on the so-called fake elector scheme and the efforts to love fucking cheese. The election to Trump. Quote: I believe that what can be achieved on January 6 is not simply to keep Biden below 270 electoral votes. It seems feasible. The vote vote count can be conducted so that at no point will Trump be behind in the electoral vote count unless and until Biden can obtain a favorable decision from the Supreme Court. In other words, a scheme to declare Trump the winner over the will of the people and to force Biden to try to claw back his legitimate small-D Democratic victory via the 6-3 Trump Supreme Court. So that's one document we got today, but it's not all we learned today. Because we also got a newly unsealed legal filing from the January 6th case, revealing that the special counsel successfully gained access to the ex-president's Twitter account earlier this year, but not without a fight from the company's new right-wing owner, Elon Musk. Back in May, it was first reported that Smith's team was feuding with a major tech company in some capacity, The details of the fight were unclear based on the available court records at the time. So now we know precisely what went down, at least part of it. As part of his investigation, Smith deemed it necessary to view the inner workings of Trump's Twitter account, although it's not currently clear what exactly he was looking for. Per the legal filing, quote, on January 17th, 2023, the government applied for and obtained a search warrant that directed Twitter to produce data and records related to the real Donald Trump Twitter account. Based on affidavits, the district court found probable cause to search the Twitter account for evidence of criminal offenses. In other words, Smith was able to convince a judge that there was reason to believe Donald Trump's Twitter account contained evidence of crime. Probable cause, constitutional standard. Now, at the time, Twitter was newly in the hands of that gentleman there. You probably know him, Elon Musk who was very busy building a public image as a right-wing troll. And the company was operating in such a state of manifest dysfunction, Smith's prosecutors could not even get through to them initially. I quote again, the government faced difficulties when it first attempted to serve Twitter with the warrant. On January 17th, 2023, the government tried to submit the papers through Twitter's website for legal requests, only to find out the website was inoperative. Two days later, the government successfully served Twitter through that website. Okay, so Smith finally gets her to Twitter on the 19th. The deadline to comply with the warrant is the 27th, about a week later. Let's see how that went. Quote, 
On January 25th, when the government contacted Twitter's counsel to check on the status of Twitter's compliance, Twitter's counsel stated that she, quote, had not heard anything about the warrant. Two days before the deadline, Twitter's lawyer says she had no idea there was even a warrant from the Department of Justice in the first place. At this point, not only was Musk running Twitter in a total state of chaos, according to all public accounts we have, it was clear that he would stop... Still is, as far as I can tell. ...for his $44 billion vanity purchase, which was very quickly losing value. After all, he was already using the platform to spread misinformation, to platform neo-Nazis and white supremacists, and, as he told CNBC, nothing, nothing can stop him from keeping things as chaotic as possible. Do your tweets hurt the company the scene in the princess bride great movie great movie. um where he can you get the quote right and he says offer me money offer me power i don't care so you just don't care i'll say what i want to say and if 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 uh the consequence of that is losing money, so be it. Okay, that last part's going to be important in just a second. God, that man's so Here's stupid. Part of this whole ordeal. Smith's prosecutors had to take steps to ensure that Musk would not spill the beans about the search warrant. Quote, the government applied for and obtained a non-disclosure order which prohibited Twitter from disclosing the existence or contents of the search warrant to any person. The district court found that there were reasonable grounds to believe that disclosing the warrant to former President Trump would, quote, seriously jeopardize the ongoing investigation well, yeah. by giving him... Wait for it. An opportunity to destroy evidence, change patterns of behavior, or notify Confederates. Put more simply, later in the filing, quote, the whole point of the non-disclosure order was to avoid tipping off the former president about the warrant's existence. And Musk was apparently not happy he couldn't tell Trump about the search warrant. Four days after the initial deadline, he challenged the entire process. Four days after the deadline, he challenged, okay? On the grounds, he had a free speech right to spill the beans regarding this ongoing criminal investigation of the ex-president of the United States. Quote, in its motion challenging the non-disclosure order, Twitter argued that the order violated the company's First Amendment right to communicate with its subscriber, <laughs> the guy who abandoned the platform, former President Trump. So oh. Musk is saying, we're not going to cooperate with your warrant until court rules on whether or not I can talk about it. And then the court ruled against Musk. Moreover, they held Twitter in contempt for again missing the deadline to comply with the warrant. Yep. Which means in addition to access to Trump's account, the company had to fork over $350,000 in fines. If you are shocked and surprised today to learn that Jack Smith got access to Trump's account, whatever private messages might be contained therein, no, you may not be alone. And over a quarter of a million dollars. He is as well. Today he posted, quote, just found out that crooked Joe Biden's DOJ secretly attacked my Twitter account. They didn't attack it. They just served a warrant on it. Making it a point not to let me know about this major hit on my civil rights. I like Lester better than the MSNBC. Like that, that like, is it violins? It kind of annoys me. A little too frantic for me. Frantic was probably the way Mike Pence was feeling when he got confronted in Iowa during a campaign event today. Um, I believe you guys are going to enjoy this video. Are you ready for it? Strap in. Trump 2024. 
use those words. He is not a Christian when you say higher power. We don't buy it as believers, Pence. You are far from a Christian. What does that even mean? There is uh hold on. I think there's uh, a story. Oh shit. It was just a couple of lone kooks. It wasn't like uh it wasn't like Mitch McConnell getting drowned out, unfortunately. That was far better. See if I can get. See, this is this is what I really wanted. Ooh, ooh, yes, 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 yes. This is, there was no. There was no video of it earlier. I there was only the the report that it happened. This is this is what I wanted to show you. Mike Pence pushes back after Iowa State Fair attendee accuses him of treason. Yeah, 2017. I put my left hand on Ronald Reagan's Bible and I raised my right hand and I swore an oath to support and defend the Constitution of the United States of America. And it ended with a prayer. So help me God. Whoa, the we're halfway there. Reminded me one time that it's the exact same oath that he took. It was a promise I made to the American people. It was a promise I made to Almighty God. Now, I know you might have a different impression about what my duties and responsibilities were on January 6th. And I'm happy to talk to you about it. The truth is that uh, states conduct our elections. They do. And once Iowa certifies the elections, when there are questions, you can go to court. Our campaign in 2020 had more than 60 lawsuits in courts around the country. There were also states that conducted recounts under the law. But when all that was done, if you read Article 2 of the Constitution, which I re recommend to you very respectfully, Article 2 says once the states send their electoral votes, to the Congress of the United States, the Vice President, as President of the Senate, will preside over a joint session of Congress. And what it says is that that joint session, the electoral votes, shall be opened and shall be counted. It doesn't say may. It doesn't say you can send them back to the states. It doesn't say you can reject votes, even though my former running mate and uh, many of his outside lawyers told me that that authority was there. I knew there never was. I mean, look, there's almost no idea more un-American than the notion that any one person could pick the American president. I mean, the American presidency belongs to the American people and the American people alone. And I'll, I'll always believe, by God's grace, I did my duty that day. I truly believe it. He must have got the gas pump figured out because he made it to Iowa. 
People deserve to know that on that day, Dustin asked me to choose him over my oath to the Constitution. I chose the Constitution, and I always will. I mean, we were talking about South America earlier. You want to talk about Ronald Reagan? Let's talk about what 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 the fuck he did to South America. So last night we reported on a man in Utah. He was apparently making threats to the prosecutor in the Trump case. He was making threats towards Biden, several other people. Content warning. He was killed by the FBI. We're now learning exactly who he is. And I don't think any of this is going to surprise any of us. (laughs) He's got his Bigfoot outfit on. We're learning more about the man who was shot and killed by FBI agents after allegedly making threats against President Biden online. Stephen Fabian on what the agents discovered that was so concerning. The FBI feared he was a lone wolf assassin, but neighbors say he was just a grumpy old man. 75-year-old Craig Robertson was shot dead in an FBI raid at his home in Provo, Utah. They have a SWAT team right there. You can hear yelling inside the house, then neighbor John Michael Osola shot the video. The FBI opened the door. They're looking for Craig Robertson. um, And he kind of started yelling back at one point. He just started yelling, I haven't broken any federal laws. The shocking event is being compared to the Clint Eastwood movie In the Line of Fire, with Secret Service agents on the trail of an assassin. The raid came after Robertson spent months peppering social media with lurid threats against President Biden and other Democratic Party leaders. One chilling... That'll do it. I hear Biden is coming to Utah, digging out my old ghillie suit and cleaning the dust off the M24 sniper rifle. This photo shows Robertson in a ghillie suit, which is used by snipers for camouflage. Robertson described himself on social media as a MAGA Trumper. He had an arsenal of weapons in his home. He first came to the FBI's attention in March when Donald Trump was indicted in New York City. Robertson threatened Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg, who was prosecuting Trump, posting, I want to stand over Bragg and put a nice hole in his forehead with my 9mm. When FBI agents came knocking on his door in April and asked Robertson about his threats, he said they were just, quote, patriotic dreams, unquote. After they left, he began posting more threats, this time about FBI agents. With President Biden about to- Wow, it's amazing he was still free. Like, it's like, I would have thought all the threats back in April would have got you locked up. Like, I didn't know, like, you could just go on social media and just say all kinds of shit about the president. I, I thought it got you a knock on the door a hell of a lot easier than that. What the hell? Park City, Utah, only 45 miles from Robertson's home, the FBI moved in to arrest him. As soon as we heard all the commotion, we heard the yelling, we got hopped on his Facebook immediately and were kind of a little bit scared seeing some of the things he was posting about. Robertson had been threatening a number of public officials on his social media accounts since at least last September. So let's see. I think we've got different neighbors. I think uh, the local news channel has a report here. 
that was inside edition telling you the lowdown on who the man was. This is the local news, and I think they're going to speak to different neighbors. We might, we might get, we might hear from the same dude that we we saw in that last report. Though. Four News celebrates 75 years. Welcome to ABC 4 News at 10. I'm Glenn Mills. And I'm Emily Flores. We thank you for joining us here tonight. A historic visit today, President Joe Biden in Utah. But before he touched down, an FBI raid ended with a Provo man dead, suspected of threatening the president. The FBI identifying that man as Craig Robertson. ABC 4's Jonathan May joining us live from the scene. He's been there all day collecting the latest. Uh, what can you tell us tonight, Jonathan? Emily Glenn, here's a scene roughly 15 hours after the shooting took place. Police tape is still up and it looks like agents have a mobile unit outside the home. Agents were here trying to serve an arrest and search warrant. That's when the man identified as Craig Robinson was shot and killed, leaving community members who knew him from their local church shocked. I just can't believe this happened in my neighborhood. I just can't believe that, you know, that it, it came to this. It just seems unreal like a, com a complete overreaction. Officials tell us the investigation in Robertson dates back to April. According to court documents, Robertson posted online saying, I hear Biden is coming to Utah, digging out my old ghillie suit and cleaning the dust off the M24 sniper rifle. In addition to making several- Buffoon in chief. Agents say Robertson suggested online he would take physical action. And I honestly think that- Come on, man. He may have just let himself get taken away on social media. Um, I can't imagine that he could either physically or mentally act on any of that at all. Through their investigation, the FBI said Robertson allegedly did own a sniper rifle and ghillie suit. No word yet on what took place leading up to the shooting. He went to church every Sunday, so there wasn't, would have never expected something like this to happen. The people who attended his ward said Robertson was in his late 70s. He loved his guns and he loved woodworking as a hobby, but... I never saw anything that indicated that he might be violent. And, you know, he could, he could be a kind of curmudgeonly old guy. Oh, Curmudgeon! Right now, the FBI is not sharing with us any more information at, that, at this time, but they say they take any investigation involving a shooting with their agents very seriously. Reporting live in Provo, Jonathan May, ABC4 News. I just <sighs> Is it possible that the FBI overreacted? Absolutely. We cover it here all the time. But it appears that the man was also guilty of the crimes that he was charged with. We don't really have a full account of what happened. Was he in tactical gear fucking shooting at the FBI agents? I guess they had a... It's, it's an indictment of right-wing media. They're the ones with blood on his hands. It's because right-wing media drives these. He probably thought Joe Biden drinks adrenochrome or whatever the fuck. 
They're trafficking little children. He probably just saw Sound of Freedom. Joe Biden and Hollywood are trafficking children. You know it. You know it. This is creepy. It's creepy. I'm sorry to put you guys through that. That was the sound of freedom. I have it queued up. Maybe we'll watch it one night. Speaking of guns in the Biden family. Hunter Biden gets a boost as a judge has ruled that a gun charge is unconstitutional. The conviction of a man for possessing a firearm while an unlawful user of drugs has been quashed by an appeals court in a case that could offer fresh hope to Hunter Biden, who has been charged with the same offense. In a ruling issued on Wednesday, the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Fifth Circuit overturned the conviction of Patrick Daniels, judging the initial decision of a lower court was a violation of his Second Amendment rights. Oh my God. Biden was charged with illegal possession of a firearm as a drug user and failing to pay federal income tax in June, according to filings from a Delaware district court. His legal team had agreed to a plea deal with prosecutors, which would see him plead guilty to two misdemeanors for failing to pay federal tax, but avoid prosecution on the felony firearms charge. However, this collapsed during a court hearing in late July after a row over whether the president's son could receive sweeping immunity for an ongoing investigation. Daniels has been convicted under 18 U.S.C. uh, 922, which states that it is illegal for anyone who is an unlawful user of or an addicted to a controlled substance to uh, possess a gun. Kayleen D. DC, a Washington Examiner Supreme Court reporter, described this as the same statute Hunter Biden is being charged under on X on the social media site formerly known as Twitter. However, the higher court judged uh, American history and tradition does not justify disarming a sober uh, citizen based exclusively on his past drug usage. So the courts have said, you used to do drugs. You can still do guns. I tried to kind of go with a Mitch Hedberg type joke, but like it didn't work out. I couldn't make it work. I just, I. Not, I'm not, I'm not myself lately. He still does drugs, and he used to, too. He probably does. But that would disqualify him from owning a gun if he was honest about it. But let's face it, many people that own a firearm aren't honest about their drug usage. But, but like, hey, is there any reason for you to be honest about your drug usage? We've got a Supreme Court justice out here 
just like being bought and paid for by all kinds of shady billionaires. Check that transition out. Thomas's life off the Supreme Court bench. ProPublica is out with a new report detailing lavish vacations, private jet trips, and VIP treatment at sporting events, more than we knew about before. All of it paid for by a wider circle of billionaire friends. CNN's Tom Foreman has you covered. The most complete accounting yet of the high life of Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas shows much, much more than previously known. More private jets, more fancy vacations, more sporting events, all gifts from mega-rich businessmen and documented through public and private records, plus interviews by ProPublica. Justice Thomas has been living a life of extreme luxury for 30 years, underwritten by at least four different ultra-wealthy benefactors. Earlier reports have revealed lavish gifts to Thomas, including a house for his mother and this nine-day vacation in Indonesia from conservative billionaire Harlan Crow. I'd come from regular stock. Who also underwrote a film about Thomas's humble taste. I prefer the RV parks. Now the list of benefactors includes three more names, according to ProPublica, David Sokol, Wayne Huizinga, and Tony Novelli. The report says the four moguls collectively treated Thomas to 38 destination vacations, including a previously unreported voyage on a yacht around the Bahamas, 26 private jet flights, plus an additional eight by helicopter, a dozen VIP passes to professional and college sporting events, two stays at luxury resorts in Florida and Jamaica, and one standing invitation to an uber-exclusive golf club. The dollar value, likely in the millions, little of which appeared in required financial disclosures, according to ProPublica. Thomas has previously said he didn't feel the need to disclose some gifts, and that worries Jeremy Fogel, an expert on judicial ethics and a former judge. I simply couldn't have done this, and e even if the people involved didn't have interest before the court, uh, it it's it's just the the idea that you are receiving gifts of this magnitude. Associate justices make about $285,000 a year. In 2001, when they made about 100000 less, Thomas spoke up. The job is not worth doing for what they pay. It's not worth doing for the grief, but it is worth doing for the principle. Now he bristles at questions about his principles. He calls Crow merely a friend. Crow says they never talk about Thomas's work, and the new report found none of these wealthy pals seem to have had cases before the court. Still, which one of these new benefactors, uh, just like Harlan Crow, came into his life after he was appointed to the Supreme Court? That's why it's so problematic from an ethics standpoint. Fuck him. Fuck you, fuck all the way off. Fuck you and the pube can you rode in on, you piece of shit. He is a pompous asshole. Protests have erupted in New York after a migrant housing crisis. 
hundreds of angry New Yorkers taking to the streets to voice one message. They're protesting the construction of a new relief center for the hundreds of migrants arriving in New York City every week. This one for up to 1,000 people, men only. Women, children, okay. All men, thousands of them is too much. Residents especially worry the center will be near an elementary school, a playground, and senior center. What are you afraid of happening here? The problem is that this is an inappropriate location. They're putting 1,000 wow. adult males in a cot, rusted fences, no shopping, no transportation, nothing to do. In another part of New York, another center for migrants on Randall's Island, designed to house more than 2,000 single men. The shelter taking over four soccer fields used by local schools, angering some educators and parents. New York now facing grassroots opposition as it scrambles to find shelter for thousands of migrants, nearly 200 set up so far. What city officials call a humanitarian crisis that shocked onlookers when it spilled into public view, with dozens of people sleeping on the streets outside a midtown Manhattan hotel. We are past our breaking point. Today, Mayor Eric Adams saying the migrant crisis will cost the city some $12 billion over the next three years, a figure about 10% of the entire municipal budget, while pleading for more help from Washington, like creating a system that will send migrants from the border to other places in addition to New York. We need the federal government to lead a decompression strategy at the border so cities and states across the nation can do their part to shelter asylum seekers. In response today, the Biden administration telling NBC News it's provided more than $140 million to New York City, more than any other city not along the border. That Homeland Security has sent experts to assess the situation in New York and identify ways to maximize resources. Now, other states also demanding the Biden administration do more as the number of migrants arriving surges. Today, I am declaring a state of emergency in Massachusetts. Massachusetts governor says the number of people in homeless shelters is up by some 80%. It's more families than our state has ever served exponentially. Back in New York, the new migrant relief centers still perhaps weeks away from opening. The city still looking for more places, with some local residents vowing to keep asylum seekers out of their backyards. There is no 24-hour transportation here. There are no subways here. This is inhumane to the migrants by elected officials who purport to be concerned about them. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, city officials have said that no place is off the table when it comes to more possible shelter sites. Several thousand locations have been considered, including places like Central Park, where there are medical facilities during the height of the COVID pandemic. Thank Shut you. up, Lester. YouTube channel. Follow today. I, yes, why can't we have a humane system where we integrate people? and help them find housing and employment and shit. But we don't do it for our own citizens, so... I mean, that's not a... That's not a... It's a complete knock on the system. It's not a whataboutism, you know, like a like a right-winger would do it. Like, well, we should use it on our own. No, no, I want to help the migrants. But, like, we also should have programs for our citizens as well. There, there's a lot of things we should do as a country that we can. We just don't tax, tax rich people enough. Oh. No, we, we, we would rather treat people inhumanely. Like, 
I assume they did in Atlanta. So a 19 year old died in custody. Let me. Sorry, I had the press conference up. I wanted to go to the, the news report here. Tonight, for the first time, we are hearing from the mother of a young woman who died while in custody of the Fulton County Sheriff's Office. The 19-year-old found dead July 11th while being held at the Atlanta City Detention Center. Are we just now hearing about it? Today, the woman's family and attorneys pleaded with officials for answers about the death. 11 Alive's Bobeth Yates was there. She joins us from outside the Atlanta City Detention Center. Well, Rick, the family made it clear they just want answers. They say they are confused how 19-year-old Noni Batiste Kosoko could walk into the jail healthy and die while in custody. Yeah. I don't understand why it's taking so long to get this information. Stashu Batiste says she's frustrated with the process to get details from the Fulton County Sheriff's Office about the death of her daughter, 19-year-old Noni Baptiste Kosoko, who died I can take a wild guess. in the city of Atlanta Detention Center. My daughter wanted to go to college. She wanted to run track. She wanted to dance. She could sing. She could write. She was a wonderful friend. She was there for you if you needed her. And I need her now. And since she's not here, I need answers to why my child is gone. According to jail records, Baptiste Kosoko was arrested on an outstanding warrant for failure to appear on another misdemeanor charge out of Miami. But despite what her attorney calls a minor. She was taken to jail on an FTA? Are you shitting me? Come the fuck on. Her infraction, she was held without bail for approximately 60 days prior to her death on July the 11th. 60 days? Under suspicious circumstances has been my experience that the administrators kind of string it out. That's just what that's just what I've experienced, okay? Uh, and when I say string it out, uh, I've seen situations where the information was available and for whatever reason they just say the situation is under investigation. Today, one of the family's attorneys, Dr. Rod Edmond, announced they have notified the county they plan to file a lawsuit. As for Noni's mom, this urn that now holds her ashes is all she has left. Physically, there was nothing wrong with my daughter, to my knowledge, since when I last saw her. So I'm just confused, you know, how a 19-year-old, you know, dies in jail. Now, just moments. As I said, I can take a wild guess, and it is negligence, if not downright um, felonious assault from the staff.
Ago, the Fulton County Sheriff's Office released a statement about the 19-year-old's death that reads in part, Bastise Kosoko was found in her cell by herself with no obvious signs of injuries. The Atlanta Police Department is conducting a death investigation, and the Fulton County Medical Examiner's Office has performed an autopsy to determine the cause and manner of death. It's also important to note that 11 Alive reached out to the Medical Examiner's Office, and they told us that that autopsy has not been finalized as of yet. Sending it back to you guys in the Studio. All right, Bobeth, thank you. Tonight Infuriating. I mean, I don't like, I don't advocate burning it down. I mean, we have to, we have to take over the system. We have to do something. What we're going to do, we're going to, um, we're going to get high and we're going to watch Greg Gutfeld and hopefully, hopefully something about this will be funny. Gutfeld himself is not going to be funny. But hopefully something about this is going to be funny. And I don't think we're going to watch all 14 minutes of this. There's something specific that happens. There's something specific that happens. I was just too lazy to go find like the two minute clip of what it is I want to see. But this is the segment that it happens in. Monday. I want to talk about a fascinating story right out of Los Angeles, a place where your yard is someone else's campground. 911 calls are answered slower than airline customers. Yes, Tones, you heard that right. The governor looks like a diehard villain. But now there's a huge strike going on that could affect a business that's near and dear to all of us, which means... There's a civil war at Cinnabon. Delicious. Well, wait, what'd you think I was talking about? The writer's strike? <laughs> I mean, do you people even care? Missing Hollywood yeah. is right up there with missing Geraldo, Don Lemon, and Jock Itch. Never over. Yikes. What do I care? Good for me. That was the segment. He took a shot at Geraldo. For those of you who don't know, Geraldo has departed Fox News. Uh, Geraldo, a former co-host with Gutfeld on The Five. I don't think Gutfeld liked Geraldo very much. Well, wait, what'd you think I was talking about? The writer's strike? <laughs> I mean, do you people even care? Missing Hollywood writers is right up there with missing Geraldo, Don Lemon, and Jock Itch. Never over. Yikes. He is little, isn't he? So on Friday, well, he's small. in L.A. declared a strike and filed a civil rights complaint against their employer. The reason? Good. The owner installed a policy banning political statements in the store, including pride flags. It's not a political statement. Pride flags. 
Oh, it didn't happen again. Phew. But it's true. An exec who oversees a bunch of Cinnabons sent out a message declaring that we do not discriminate or celebrate any particular race, ethnic group, gender-specific group, religious group. If any store is displaying a pride flag, it's to be taken down immediately. And one of the workers asked if a rainbow pin would be okay. He said, quote, non-specific pins are okay, but sports teams, groups, school pins are not. Another wow. Thing, let's stick to doing... You can't wear the local sports team. Making all of us grotesquely fat. <laughs> now, personally, I have no problem with a store that wants to fly rainbow flags. You can fly a flag for the Bolivian national pickleball team for all I care. That sport combines two of my favorite things, pickles and balls. <laughs> I like balls too. Just get. I like kicking them. That's all I ask. I mean, why is it so He's hard to pour the big balls. flurry directly down my pants? Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> so why is this a story? It's entirely reasonable to demand employees not turn your bakery into a political rally, and the owner employs openly gay workers at the store. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Like you right wingers, don't you believe it's like if this were Christians? And it was a, a cross on their lapel. You would have a completely different take, wouldn't you, Greg Gutfeld? So clearly he's not discriminating. But that's not the way the workers took it. Instead, they called it homophobic. One said the policy made it feel like she had to hide herself. Adding, quote, I started to not feel comfortable in my own skin. It really lowered my self-esteem. And I was starting not to like myself when I looked in the mirror. Yep, yep, DJ Dub. So wait, is that from the ban on flags? Because it sounds like she like just you've been eating too many Cinnabons, yep. I saw the joke coming. That's exactly how I feel when I eat a Cinnabon. I hate myself. Not high enough for the shit. I can see the pastry in the mirror making its way down to a love handle. <laughs> And herein lies a great philosophical truth brought to you by Cinnabon. As a human being, you are two people, the present you and tomorrow's you. And how tomorrow's Greg feels about himself depends on what present day Greg eats. So if present Greg ate a Cinnabon right now, he'd feel pretty good, but tomorrow's Greg will hate his guts. So the secret to life is getting your present self to look after tomorrow's self I usually, it's usually like spicy food that makes me hate my guts the next day. Not really a Cinnabon. I do like, uh, Cinnabon is the brand. What are, what, like, cinnamon, uh, cinnamon muffins? What the fuck are they called? Why am I spacing on this? Jesus Christ, Justin. I might be losing it. I might actually be losing it. My apologies. Cinnamon rolls. That's what they're called. Cinnamon rolls. Cinnamon rolls. Cinnabon is a brand. They're cinnamon rolls. Jesus Christ. Apparently Bill Maher had a long ass take about the Barbie movie. Mark Ronson just channeled Nicole Kidman's magical AMC ad to troll Bill, Bill Moore for his remarks on Barbie. Cinnamon roll Justin. Mr. Elwood, good evening. 
We come to this place for magic. We come to AMC theaters to laugh, to cry, to care, to furiously Google Mattel board configuration while others are trying to enjoy a fucking magnificent comedy. The film's soundtrack producer posted on X. Bronson was responding to the real-time host's scathing... I'm scathing, scathing. Scathing. 108... I'm sorry. 1,882 character review. I'll read a portion of it. Okay, Barbie. I was hoping it wouldn't be preachy man-hating and a zombie lie. Alas, it was all three. What is a zombie lie? Something that never was true, but certain people refuse to stop saying it. Tax cuts for the rich, increased revenues. Or something that used to be true, but no longer is, but certain people pretend is still true. Barbie is this kind of zombie lie. Spoiler alert, Barbie fights the patriarchy right up to the Mattel board who created her, consisting of 12 white men. The patriarchy. Except there's a Mattel board in real life, and it's seven men and five women. Okay, not perfect even Steven, but not the way the board in the movie, which takes place in 2023, is portrayed. And not really any longer deserving of the word patriarchy. Yes, there was one, and remnants of it remain. But the movie is so 2000 late. Bill Maher continued, and we're not going to continue reading it. Ben Shapiro did a whole 43 fucking minutes on it. And we watched, what, five? And then I banned Ben Shapiro. And I've I've bookmarked so many Shapiro videos. And I'm like, nope, nope. The Ben Shabargo. No more Ben Shapiro here on the Troll Patrol. I'm done with him. The Barbie review was jumping the shark. I can't even, I can't say anything as funny as he is just a parody of existing. But my man Posty went on with Joe Rogan and somehow maybe they did some lean and smoked a few blunts and then Joe Rogan had a really good take apparently. No, I have not. No, sir. A lot of people are upset about the Barbie movie, and I, I left perplexed. Did you see it? Yeah, it was a fun movie. Was it good? Fun, silly movie about dolls who come to life. But it's, you know, a lot of it is uh, about the patriarchy. Sure. And, you know, it's a comedy. It's a comedy sure. about dolls. Sure. But people are like, you know, people are upset that it's this, you know, like progressive metaphor for life. That it's, you know, they're, they're pushing pr- progressive politics in this. I'm like, it's a fucking doll movie yeah it's a doll movie yeah it's a fun movie about dolls who come to life and try to interact with the real world and there's this lady in it who's this mom who i'm spoiler alert who makes barbie feel sad because she's playing with barbie and she has sad feelings it's 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 a fucking interesting movie it's like because i was like wow this is an original movie like no one's ever done a movie like this before there's not like anything else you could say 
It was it was a bizarre movie, but it was a fun, silly movie. I laughed. It, but at the end of it, I was like, how did people get outraged at that? Like it make they were saying it's anti. I know some people personally who said it's anti men. I'm like, no, it's it's making fun of dorks. It's it's, fun. it's fun. It's you didn't think it was fun. Like if that was a real person, that it's not making fun of men. It's making fun of dorks, and you must be a dork since you're offended by it. Happening to them isn't that fun? Well, Margot and Ryan are just like amazing. Amazing together in that movie too. I have to see it. I I want to see it. I just haven't. I enjoyed it. I just didn't understand why people were getting so upset. Like, do you think that's you? Are they making fun? Are they? Are, you, are all men Directly in this one? Are we going to do this thing where we put all men as men? It's one category. We're not going to judge people as individuals. Right. We're going to pretend that these individuals in this mill, who are clearly dorks, because they're designed. Right. It's fun. That you don't. It's think, fun. Like, Make fun of the dorks. The way it happens right. isn't like fun. Like I don't understand. Good on Joe. Good on Joe. I think I think he is chiefing as he's saying all that. Posty's awesome. I love him. I'm not I'm not digging the new album. I really like one song off of it. I haven't listened to the whole thing. I've just listened to the single so far. I like Posty though. I'm a fan. Pitbull haunts me. Haunts me. Everywhere I go, there's fucking Mr. Worldwide. Oh shit, that's awesome. That's, that's cool. Post Malone's just out here playing magic in a Discord group. Oh shit! I guess it makes sense because he's on the road. Kind of hard, kind of hard to get a game going uh, in person. Makes perfect sense. Let's continue listening to right wing idiots bitch about shit for no reason. I don't even know who this dude is. Dan Dakish. Dan DeKish. Dan DeKish is going to unload on uh, Megan Rapinoe, who is apparently like a very good soccer player. I called her the best earlier. I don't know that because I don't know shit about soccer. Fucking don't know. But she's apparently a really good player and she is now retired. They lost... Apparently went out earlier because like they've they've won a lot of games. They're really good. Uh, but once again, I don't know about so I keep I keep having to preface like I don't really know what I'm talking about here. Uh, Megan Rapinoe really triggers the conservatives though, so I want to watch it. Joining me now is Dan Dockish, who's the host of Outkicks. Don't at me. Was that Dockish? The reaction online was something to behold when this penalty kick didn't go in. Um, your reaction tonight? I thought maybe they needed a transgender male to kick it for her. I mean, she's all for that kind of stuff. Um, 
My reaction is this. I, a lot of people online are upset, and a lot of people in the media are upset at those online saying, hey, look, good the Americans lost. Uh, I think this was an unlikable team. Alexi Lawless. Why are people upset? Why would anybody else be upset about people being upset? Like, it's just like all drama. You're all drama queens. And I don't think it was unlikable only because of politics. There wasn't anybody on that team that you can get behind. Laura, I coached for a number of years, had some really good teams that were beloved by our fan base because there was a connection there and had some good teams that weren't as beloved just because of a connection. So I would argue that, yes, the politics uh, made Megan Rapino unlikable, but really... There was nobody on that team where you said, wow. Have I been saying her name wrong? Watch this particular person. Alex Morgan used to be that. She wasn't. You know, we used to have Mia Hamm and Brandy Chastain, people that kind of brought a positivity to it. And here's the other thing. You know, Megan Rapino should not have been on the, on the pitch. She wasn't good enough. You know, that kick that you showed was like a fifth grader trying to kick. She should not have been there. And I wonder... Was the coaching staff, was U.S. soccer, were they all intimidated by Rapino's popularity? Did she bully her way? Again, she should not have been out there. She was awful. Oh, is she, is she not a good player? She looked like she didn't care. She looked like she wasn't good enough. And frankly, you combine that, Laura, with her acting as a victim. You cannot be a victim and lead a team. You cannot act as a victim and be a leader in any walk of life, whether it's your job, my job, sports, business, victims don't lead. And her being a victim and not being good enough on the pitch, I got to believe was a real problem for the other ladies of that soccer team. Well, didn't it seem really selfish of her? I don't think she's bad. I like, once again, I don't know anything about soccer, but like that women's team, five, six, she's just at the end of her career. She's getting ready to retire. Like, this was her last game. She's, like, over the hill. But six or seven years ago, they were, like, unbeatable or some shit. So, like, as I understand it, once again, I don't really know fucking soccer. Well, uh, apparently I've been saying her name wrong, but uh, apparently uh, Mega, Megan Rapino. Rapino is how he said it. I thought it was Rapino. I don't know that he's correct. He might be mocking her. But like, I also don't know. <laughs> so, Megan Rapino is, is very vocal about, you know, social justice. And that pisses them off. She doesn't represent America. She's un-American. Yada, yada, yada. She shouldn't be out there for our sports team. A soccer team that they probably don't even care about. Really? Given what you said, and you know this world better than I do, I'm not a big soccer person, but, you know, that's kind of selfish. She, she wanted to be the person that put the team over the top. But she didn't have the skill and she probably made it be known one way or another that she wanted to be there for history's sake. Laura, there's always a backstory. You know this, whether it's politics or whether it's sports, there is always a backstory. And anybody that just thinks that Megan Rapino 
was on that team because she was good enough and put in that position. Now think about the position. <laughs> ah, we're just making fun of right wingers. When I get to the end of the show, we do like mocking stupid shit. We're getting ready to come in for a landing PP girl. We do the hard news and then we kind of taper off into the into the stupid shit. And we're in the stupid shit now. Do a little culture war shit at the end of the show. Oh. <laughs> I was like, well, I mean, like, fair enough. Like, yeah, I probably shouldn't be giving it uh air like there is more important things we can talk about but i feel like i do a good job that this woman who was clearly past her prime was in this dude needs to be mocked to win a match in the sweet 16 of the world cup and her i need to smoke more hell yeah maybe maybe a really decent college soccer player she should not have been there well a junior high uh Good play. Oh. Probably made that kick, Dan. <laughs> it's good to see you. Come back. I would like it if one of you could confirm, like, was she, was she like a really, really, like, she was like the Michael Jordan of women's soccer? This is really pretty. Yeah, I, you probably can't see it really well. I'd have to adjust the camera in order to focus on it. It is so pretty. It's called peanut butter and jelly. And it is like dark hairs and uh, like it's like dark hairs and orange hairs. It is so goddamn gorgeous. It's like a 50-50 sativa indica. Oh my god, it's so fucking pretty. The other one is the, like, sativa dominant. I don't remember what it was called. But it's not as pretty. You haven't had good weed since it became legal? I fucking love going to the store now. Like, this is so awesome. I feel like the future. Going to the pot store and getting to pick out different products. Having a selection of different strains. We've come a long way in my lifetime. When I first, you know, a teenager buying my first ounce, it was like an ounce of dirt weed for like $70 or some shit. And it sucked. Hell, I didn't know any better. I got to college and that's the first time I ever smoked real weed. Dude said it came from Harlem. I don't fucking know. You know, it's hard to believe that it came from Harlem in Kentucky. But, you know, you never know. That's where he's from. 
that was the first time I ever smoked like you know probably hydroponic grown good fucking weed and it blew me the fuck away Love good weed. Then pretty much by by the time I get back to college in the early 20 aughts. Pretty much all high dollar shit. Moved to Alabama and I started talking to this girl. And she was a cam girl. And uh, I go over and hang out with her. And she says she can go over to her neighbors and get me some, some weed. And like she asked me how much do I want. And I'm like... Well, can 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 you give me like a half? And she's like, "What?" I guess she's used to people asking for like a joint or something. And she was like freaked out about it. And I was like, "Yeah, how much is it?" And she was like, "Uh, $40." Like, goddamn, really? Like that's insane. Like, I was paid, like, that was, and it was some shit weed, too, so it was, it was that's why it was $40, but, yeah, it was shit, it was shit, um, he was freaked out that I thought it was gonna be, like, high dollar, I, I, I think I had, like, $200 on me or something, uh, also, when I first moved to Alabama, that's when I found a guy and this is okay so this woman had put the Craigslist was still a thing and this woman had put an ad on Craigslist and I had messaged back and forth with her and then nothing came about of it and then like one like Saturday night or something she just like popped up and was like I've been partying and I want two dicks. Come over and fuck me with my boyfriend. And I'm like, okay. And he was bi too. So like, that was fun. Like, you're like, we all fucked. And it was, it was was a really good time. But he sold weed. And, and she was, she was, uh, she was a white girl. She was a stripper. And he was, he was a black dude. And he was really cool. And, uh, he started selling me weed and he ran like a like a like an auto glass business so he had like a a a point of service on his phone and so like he could accept credit card for my weed it was awesome uh and i needed to use credit card too because it was the most expensive weed i've ever bought in my life it was 125 dollars for a quarter but my fucking God, the best goddamn weed I've ever had. Twice, twice I told women that came over to hang out with me, I said, this is the best weed I've ever had, and I'm a stoner, so watch yourself. And two different women accused me of lacing it. I was like, I can't believe you said that. I just told you. 
It's the best weed I've ever had. <laughs> Two different women accused me of lacing it. And I was like, no, I didn't. You just got too high. Couldn't possibly be better than the weed we get in there. Like, Louis C. Gay has a bit about it. Back before he was canceled. And he's like, you know, he hasn't smoked pot in 20 years or 25 years or whatever the fuck it is. And, like, he's in, like, uh, bumfucked Kansas or some shit. And the crew's like, hey, you want to go smoke some weed? He's like, yeah, sure. So he's, like, taking, like, huge rips off of it. Like he's back in the seventies and shit, and they're like, hey, dude, you may wanna, you may wanna lay up on that. <laughs> and he's like, I didn't know they've been working on it like it's the cure for cancer, because they've been working on it like it's the cure for cancer. <laughs> he's like, when I blew it out, it was a completely different world. Oh, I had, I had a friend bring some moon rocks by to me one time. Those were really cool. DJ Dub, I'm okay with like I like. He's not on my cancel list, right? I just I listened to one of his specials after he first started releasing shit again, and I wasn't impressed. It's like the magic wasn't there anymore, and I felt like he was a little going a little too crotchety for my taste. I wish I could email you some. God damn, I'm I'm stoned to shit now. Let's let's go to. Apparently, this happened in Hawaii, but it's not the fires that that we were uh, covering happened in Honolulu. Today, the state health department plans to send staff to Safeway over on Baratania Street to investigate reports of rodents. This is an update to a story that we first reported on Sunday on Gailing TV for Island News Tonight. And it all stems from this video right here that's gone viral on social media. And you can see mice running around inside a bakery display case. Now, the video was taken on Saturday. Mo'ili'ili resident Anthony Mendez shops at that store and told us that he's now worried about health and hygiene after seeing the bakery was still open on Sunday. I was looking in the back and recording. They were still baking pies and still baking bread. Wait, and what? It was just, I was floored. There's ways of dealing with this, but when you're putting our safety and our kids' safety and our, our you know, elderly at safety, it, it's just so disconcerting to see that they're more worried about the profits well, KITV4 called Safeway, but the manager says that she has no comment. Yeah, well, like, I thought this was going to be a fun story. 
that she said something about a cop getting his donut stolen or some shit. Don't worry, I've got I've got another animal video ready to go though. We got a cutesy animal video. I let the mice have the donuts. I mean, if the donuts are stale and shit. This dude was trying to pull a burglary. Wait, 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 wait. Do we got audio? We got audio. Hold on. I didn't think we had audio. Hi, buddy. Oh, they were still in cop food. Okay, that makes more sense. You're the coolest dog I've ever known. I love you too. You're a sweetheart. Come on, you come home with me. Where's your dad? Your dad should not have to leave your garage open. Dad! Where are you? Wait, this is this guy's dad? I thought it was a burglar. Did I get the headline wrong? Distract a burglary suspect with his belly rubs. Seems like it's his home. I love you too. <laughs> the dog seems awful friendly. Whoa, we got no, not not skateboarding baby. We gotta go back. Hi buddy. That's the way I understood the story, but like, that doesn't come across in the video. Where's your dad? Your dad should not have to leave your garage open. Dad! Where are you? But why would you alert the homeowner? I love you too. Not just the garage doors open. The light went out. Camera footage catches the moment a burglary suspect got distracted while taking a bike from a garage by a very friendly golden retriever. Hi, buddy. <laughs> they got a lot of bikes in that garage. All right. Because you're so cool. Come here. I mean, apparently he did steal the bike, yes. Where's your dad? Your dad should not have to leave your garage open. Some watchdog that dog is. Dad, where are you? And it sounds, yeah, he's going to tell the homeowner to shut the garage. I love you too. <laughs> Is a beautiful dog. And uh, don't blame it on high people now, Snicks. He's he's probably drunk. 
Who's your dad? Go ahead, light one up, tip one back. It's all right to have a little fun before you hit the sack. Dad! I'm Justin Freegan. We'll see you Sunday night on the Troll Patrol. Oh, oh, oh. I love you too. Is there a Trump thing going on tomorrow? I felt like there was something I might stream tomorrow. Is there something going on? Oh no, there's a there's a court hearing, but like I, like there's not gonna be anything to stream. There's not gonna be a door. Never mind. I'll see you Sunday night. <laughs>